there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. On Wednesday, a lawsuit was filed in a U.S. district court in Michigan by seven women, three of them student-athletes, against the NCAA, alleging that the organization failed to protect them from sexual assaults by male athletes. Nebraska was named in the suit, and four of the women attended UNL. Former volleyball player Capri Davis, a student in 2015, Sheridan Thomas, and two unnamed women. According to the suit, the university, quote, fostered a culture in which female victims are discouraged from reporting sexual assaults, sexual harassments, stalking, and other forms of gender discrimination when those acts are perpetrated by male student-athletes in order to protect UNL, the male athletics programs, male student-athletes, and the NCAA at the expense of female victims, end quote. Davis said she was groped at a party in Lincoln in April of 2019 by two football players who were later accused of raping another woman. A third unnamed football player was also identified as an assailant in an August 2018 rape of a female student who is a friend of Davis. Another woman reported she had been raped in February of 2019 by one of the football players involved in the August 2019 case after learning of the accusation. The suit alleges, among other things, mishandling of investigations by UNL's Title IX office into reports of sexual misconduct. We're working hard to understand the facts of this lawsuit, as well as report further on what happened in the coming weeks. With this situation still developing, I just wanted to say off the cuff that we did not discuss the lawsuit or the allegations on this week's podcast. It didn't feel like the right time nor the right medium to discuss something that we're still working to fully understand. In no way is this intended to minimize the seriousness or the severity of the lawsuit or its allegations. If you have any questions or concerns, you can email me at Derek, D-E-R-E-K, at HaleVarsity.com. Here's the podcast. I'm hoping the Big Ten has to modify their system for us. <laughs> Probably like getting grade 10 sandpaper rubbed on your face every day. I mean, we say it all the time, whether, you know, there's two types of turds, you're a sinker or you're a floater, but you're still a turd, right? I mean, um, we're, we're, we are about players and players playing the plays and not necessarily the plays. Welcome to... The Varsity Club Podcast. My name is Derek Peterson. Joining me this week, Greg Smith. How are you? Uh, I am very well. How are you? I'm good. You are, uh, do you have a Peloton bike? Is that what you've been using? Yeah, I do have a Peloton bike. Okay. How is that? Because I know multiple people that have one. Uh, it's excellent. Like, I, it's hard. To, like, it's really funny because, like, the quick way, like, way to how we got here with this is we went, like, before COVID and all of that, we were at, it was actually right before that, we were at a wedding in Birmingham, and Birmingham has a Peloton store. We went to the store thinking, oh, we'll just go in here and see what it looks like. And they had also told us about the app, but we were like, there's no way we're actually getting this, like, $3,000 bike. So they told us about the app. And so we had started using that and we were, and that was before gyms had shut down and everything. And I really liked it. And I thought the instructors were all really good. There's a wealth of content on there. And so once our gym shut down, we we're like, okay, we need a way to really get 
the workouts in that we had been getting or to the level we've been getting before. And like neither my wife or I are runners. So like we couldn't really go outside and run. That just wasn't going to be our thing. And so we're like, well, let's just go ahead and get the bike. We got the bike and it's hard. Like it's worth it because there's like a range of types of classes, but it is much harder on the actual bike than if you have the app and use like a different bike. Um, but it is definitely worth it. You get a good sweat, like for like a, a real example, I did it this morning and in a 20 minute ride, I think my calorie burn was 293 calories. Um, so yeah, it, it, it works. You. Yeah. Before gym shut down, I was doing, um, 30 minutes running on a treadmill every single night and I hate running. So yeah. I've been like trying to find something that can replace running because I hate running people that do running like every single day or people that were cross country runners like my wife either in college or high school i think they're aliens i don't yeah. understand how somebody can want which is funny because i played soccer and soccer is just all running for 90 minutes but i always told myself like i'm controlled short bursts not distance running and right now all we can do is distance running because every gym is closed so Peloton is something that I keep looking at and I keep going to and I'm like, nope, nope, we can't do it. We're not there yet. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely an investment, but it also, it, like to get to the nitty gritty, if you break down the cost um, and with their financing, like the cost, if you were just to like go do a cycling course at like one of the studios or whatever, like it's actually pretty comparable. Um, and then you have it in your home, but yeah, we can talk more about this in detail later. And I have, I can uh, give you all the, the details you would like. Maybe if we keep talking about it on here, we can get sponsored by Peloton. I would love that. Like bring it up. Welcome to <laughs> sponsored by Peloton. That's, that's what, that's what we would like or brought to you by Peloton. One or the other. They're pretty big though. So I don't think they're, um, even aware that this magazine exists, let alone this podcast exists. Be cool though. Nice pipe. So they could, they could. There was some recruiting news this week. Some good recruiting news this week in a, a sea of some not-so-good recruiting news. Greg Nebraska got an offensive lineman commit, which is the third of this class and, like, the 62nd offensive line commit since Frost took over that it stands six foot six or taller. That's obviously an exaggeration, but you get the point. Um, they're recruiting huge offensive linemen. Talk to me about the newest one. Yeah, Branson Yeager uh, out of Grantsville, Utah. Uh, say big, he is 6'8", 330 um, as a kid heading into his senior year of high school. Um, so he's a massive kid, but he is not. When you think of a guy that size, you might think um, he's just kind of slow and lumbering out there. He's actually pretty athletic. Like I thought that the first thing that I noticed when I watched his film um, after kind of talking to him after he got his offer a couple of months ago or a month ago time is what is time right now Um I noticed that he was really athletic. So I, I think that that is something that he said that that different coaches liked about his game um, beyond the fact that he likes to play through the whistle. He's pretty aggressive out there. Um, I like his I like him. I like his film. Um, I like his upside. I like what Nebraska is putting together on this future offensive line. And, and I feel like and I hate making the comparison, but I feel like we saw this coming with Minnesota a couple of years ago. And then and when P.J. Fleck got there. 
And then we saw the fruits of that labor this past season, right? Um, they kind of started slower than I think people think um, with their rushing attack, but it really picked up throughout the season. Um, and it feels like that's something that Nebraska is also building in a slightly different way because Nebraska does require those offensive linemen to still be athletic um, just because of the type of offense that they play and how up and down the field they want to be able to get. Is it a coincidence that all of these guys are huge? I mean, I looked back at the 2017 roster, and they had four guys on that 2017 roster that stood six foot six or taller. Two of them were freshmen or redshirt freshmen, and one of them was David Neville, a senior who didn't really do much and was gone after the year. Since they've added, I think, 11 guys. Um, is there a coincidence in that, and that all of them just happen to be big, or is that something that Austin wants? He wants just sheer size on the offensive line. Yeah, I, I do not think that that's a coincidence. And if you ask Greg Austin, and I have before in different scrums about like what he's looking for and if that size is what he's looking for, he doesn't actually explicitly say, um, no, I'm looking for this huge guys. But he does like I, I think that that is just like a baseline thing that he wants. And then the rest of it, he's going to fill in. Now, it also happens that a lot of these guys, if you go and look through since the 2019 class, a lot of these guys are big, but also you would describe them as athletic for their size or they played basketball or they you know did track like there were other things they also or wrestled in the case of Bryce Benhart um I think Ethan Piper did as well so like you would say that they have good feet um so I think that there's a, a few things that they're looking for and size I think is one that is just a default thing um because there's just no way that this could be a coincidence that it just continuously happens like this I mean, theoretically, if you have a, a really tall guy with long arms, long legs who who can move like the range of motion and the ground that they could cover after a snap is is pretty large. And it could sort of help, I guess, against um, quick twitch edge rushers, maybe. I mean, I, like offensive line is like the one area that like 90 percent of media covering football just don't really understand. So I'm not <laughs> right. going to try to be like, well, this this is going to impact them here, here and here. But I mean. It makes sense on paper. So yeah. Yeah, and I also think that it's it's a case where, yeah, they can get set and, and get to pass rushers quicker and cover more ground. But I do think that there's something to be said about how much they they ask their offensive linemen to pull a lot, including their center, um, which is why having Cam Jurgens, if, if he is what they think he's going to be, will be so important um, like now and in the future because they ask even him to pull. Um, so I think that that also is an easy way to see why that athleticism is really beneficial, too. Did they need this positive news after, um, you know, it was the five-star kid committed to, what, Tennessee? They lost Devontae Dickerson to Minnesota. Were, were things trending in the wrong direction until this commit? Uh, yeah, well, the, okay, so yes and no. So the Avanti Dickerson thing happened before the commit, and then they get the commit, and then Terrence Lewis is the guy you're alluding to from Miami, the five-star that committed to Tennessee. Um, Travion Ford, high four-star outside linebacker from St. Louis, decided to stay home and committed to Missouri. Um, there's been a few others that are just kind of uh, – Peter Costelli before that, um, that committed to Utah, the four-star quarterback in California, and there's been a few others kind of on like just off of like the main radar – that have come off the board. So yes, they did need, they needed positive momentum. They still need some more because you still may get, um, a guy or two that Nebraska really wants that commits elsewhere soon. Um, so it, it's just tough. Like Nebraska is in a little bit of a tough spot because the, uh, like 
pushing guys to commit during a time like this is just not their thing because it's it, it's not what they do in general. And Nebraska's biggest weapon in recruiting, get which is getting guys on campus, um, is is nullified right now, right? And so having gone missed that entire thing throughout spring and then the spring game, I think it really hurts them. And I think that Brandon Vogel said this months ago that unfortunately there's going to be winners and losers assigned after all of this um, kind of goes away and you and you are able to start to take visits again and unfortunately it's trending in the direction of Nebraska kind of being a loser in all of this um which is unfortunate for them but there'll be plenty of time for them to make it up yeah because like their big selling point is game day atmosphere so as long as there's a season I mean they should be able to recoup some of those losses right yeah, if, if they have, so if, if now that's assuming that every like top of the board kid doesn't come off the board, um, it, or even if they do commit, like I'm still, I keep saying this, I'm still very curious to see how many of these commits that are happening right now stick. Um, and we know that Nebraska does nice work behind the scenes of kind of keeping in touch with flip contacts. And we've seen that consistently through their first couple of years here. Um, so let's say, you know, there is a season, Nebraska starts off hot, Memorial Stadium's rock, and you get a couple of those kids in there to remind them of why they were interested in Nebraska in the first place, but they just decided to make a decision. You never know what can happen. So yeah, if you can get to that point, um, they can start to recoup some of that and really turn the tide. Let's talk about the other news of the week, and that being Noah Vedral um, announcing that he has put his name in the transfer portal. Um, he's going to leave Nebraska. It's it, it seems a natural next step for him considering the room that Mario Verduzco has built around Adrian Martinez and to kind of propel them into the future beyond Adrian Martinez. it Noah came here in 2018 with Scott Frost. He was part of the, what their 2017 class at UCF, and so he joined a UCF team that already had Mackenzie Milton, who before he got hurt was playing like a Heisman kind of quarterback. Yep. Um, so he was – limited to to mop up duty for that UCF team that went unbeaten. Then Frost comes to Nebraska and so Noah Vedral comes back home to Nebraska to be with him and and he doesn't win the starting job. It's Adrian Martinez's job even though Vedral had a year's experience on Adrian kind of in the system and understanding what is asked of them. And then 2019 comes around and Vedral is once again the backup but he gets a shot throughout the season through whether it be injury or um, it was mostly injury. He gets a shot and the Indiana game is really the game that everybody points to. You know, you look at that game and you say, well, their tempo, the pace, it looked as good as we had seen it all season. And it just looked like they were comfortable and had an offensive rhythm with him running the show. But I guess maybe the distinction between him and Adrian Martinez is that Noah Vedral was more of a manager and Adrian Martinez gives you the home run threat. Mm -hmm. And it seems that Nebraska wants that home run threat. Nebraska wants Adrian Martinez as the guy because it feels he's their best chance at winning. And that really hasn't changed for two years. And so it, I, I didn't see it changing in the future, especially now that you have Luke McCaffrey and, and Logan Smothers in the picture. I mean, this just feels like the right move to make for Noah Vedral, doesn't it? Yeah, I thought I thought it was the right move to make, especially considering, you know, he's has or is about to graduate and will have two years of eligibility. Um, he has graduated. And, he's yeah. Graduate. So, graduate. Yeah. So, th so 
it makes sense to me. And I just, I think that I agree with all of what you laid out because it, it just was going to be, it seemed like it, Noah was in a situation where he just wasn't going to be the guy at Nebraska. Like, and in, and in part, I think it really is, it really does come down to, I think that things would be steadier with Noah running, running the team and being the starting quarterback maybe, but I don't think that the ceiling would have been nearly as high. I think that the peak of what Noah Vedra would have given you is not close to the peak of what Adrian Martinez would give you. Um, and so, and I think that that's been reflected in kind of how that quarterback quote unquote battle was already starting to shape up. Um, and so it, it was just going to always be difficult, tough situation because you know, like in, in part bad luck, because you know, who knew at that point when he, when Noah Vedral joined UCF, that McKenzie Milton would take off the way that he did. Um, and then also when he decided to follow Scott Frost back to Nebraska to play for his hometown team or home state team, um, who knew that Adrian Martinez would then end up being the freshman quarterback that he was going to be at that point. Right. Um, so it, it's in part bad luck, but so hopefully he lands on his feet and finds a good situation. Um, but unfortunately, the writing had, had kind of been on the wall for this. He's kind of been stuck as a bridesmaid for three years. Like it's not, I mean, it's obviously not a perfect metaphor, but he kind of has been stuck as like the next guy up for like three years. And uh, that's probably just a hard position to be in. And he's he's competitive. He's somebody that believes in in his ability and um he's he's not a bad quarterback like i think no no like i made the comment um earlier this offseason i think nebraska has four quarterbacks that could start at a power five level on its roster right now and you know somebody asked mario verdusco how they were going to manage that moving forward and keep everybody happy and he kind of had the the response of like well we'll see this is kind of a a a figuring out moment does this i mean we talked about this when when jebio left does this change the way that they recruit quarterbacks moving forward because they've added three guys who could all conceivably like like next season eight not not this upcoming one but the 2021 season adrian is a senior if he's back luke mccaffrey is a redshirt sophomore logan smothers is a redshirt freshman all three of those guys could win the job and and two of them aren't does it does this change the way that they recruit going forward? Are they always going to recruit a a major quarterback every single season or every other season or whatever? Or is this simply just trying to course correct from joining, uh, I guess, a room that had nothing? I th- I think that it is. If they can, they will add a high-level quarterback every single season, um, in part because you're just always going to have attrition in that room, and that's reality of college football in 2020. Um, it, and it stinks because of the situation. Like, if, if Adrian Martinez is here as a senior, um, and and you do have three guys that can conceivably start for you, it does get really tricky, and you hope that you can get some patience out of those guys, and you can figure out a way. And the best way, I don't want to harp on, the best way to ensure that or try and get to that is by having those guys be able to be part of a winning team and seeing, hey, we're really on the uprise, because there is a, a selling point to, hey, at whenever Adrian Martinez leaves, we're going to have a complete roster of our guys that are fully developed and ready to hit the ground running. This goes all the way back to what we started off talking about with that offensive line. Like, hey, don't you want to be the next guy that comes in to play behind 
would say like what would that be like maybe that next year a red shirt senior cam jurgens and like a red shirt junior bryce ben hart and you've maybe got a true sophomore junior turner corcoran like i'm losing some of the years but you get what i mean like if you start rattling off the guys that they could be playing behind and playing with um, that could be a powerful thing to be able to keep those guys in the room, but you have to get there and continue to progress. Um, but they will, I, they will continue to recruit high level quarterbacks um, as best they can every year. What does this signal to you about this year's, this upcoming season's quarterback competition? Does, does Noah Vedral leaving the team tell you anything about uh, either who has the starting job or who has the backup job or was this an expected outcome? Um, well, both. I, I think that it, to me, it was an expected outcome, but I do think that it signals that Adrian Martinez is your starter and barring something like crazy happening. And that Luke McCaffrey could have been your second quarterback, um, going into the spring or he would have ended up being the the second string quarterback coming out of the spring um which is also it's a tough situation which is why you can kind of understand again federal's position and why he wanted to or needed to leave um but yeah i I think that the order in which your quarterbacks are at one and two was going to be that way even if no eventual state i thought that adrian and luke were number one and number two yeah we did a a two deep projection as a staff after what was supposed to be the spring game um, at mid-April. And you and I both said that it was going to be Adrian at the the top line and then Luke McCaffrey was going to be his backup. And we were the only two on staff that said that. This, to me, doesn't really signal anything that I don't think we didn't already know. Like, I saw a couple people or a handful of people reacting to this by saying, oh, well, this tells you Adrian Martinez is the starter. Did you think that that was... In question, I, like I think that I there is a real group of people that are just clamoring for quarterback competition, and I'll continue to say this until I'm blue in the face. Adrian Martinez gives Nebraska its best chance at hitting its goals for this coming season, like as a start as their starting quarterback. Like, and I don't, I, and I'm not sure that it's particularly close. And so I, I know that he struggled last year, um, but I still think that his ceiling is high. And I know that the coaching staff believes that they that his ceiling is still high. Um, so I, I just don't understand. I, I don't fully understand the clamoring for replacing him. Let me rattle off some numbers for you. This is from uh, Bill Conley's piece on Nebraska. Uh, he really kind of went inside the numbers with Adrian's throwing last season. He threw 83 passes at or behind the line of scrimmage, but only completed 75% of them. And Connolly has this nugget that you should be at 85% or above on what he termed extended handoffs, which mm-hmm. if you're throwing behind the line of scrimmage, like, yes, you should be completing a very high percentage of those. Yes. Um, he His QBR on deep throws and, and balls up the seam were, was really good. Um, over the middle of the field, and kind of that extended mid-range area, medium throw, he had a 99.5 QBR, which is really good. Yeah. But anything outside the hash marks or thrown between the line of scrimmage and 20 yards downfield, he completed just 51% of his passes with six interceptions. Those out routes, the throws outside the hashes, those things are a problem. So when you look at Adrian compared to a guy like Noah Vedral, one of them is a high ceiling 
low floor kind of guy. Because we've seen Adrian really good his freshman year, and we've seen Adrian really bad at points in this past season. Mm-hmm. Now compare him to a guy like Bedrill, who is a high floor but a lower ceiling. In this offense, it, is it maybe better to go with the higher floor? Like, is it better to just have a manager, or do you need that home run threat at quarterback? It all to, it depends on what you have around the quarterback. In last season, you probably needed the the higher ceiling if you have a little less talent around, and if your offensive line is struggling the way that Nebraska's did. But if you have this, where you have all of the weapons that they want to have on offense, then some then I could see you wanting to go with the higher floor in that case but it's fascinating to me the thing about the outside of the numbers um throwing because i wonder if that's two factors one adrian's like and he just flat out struggles with the throws that need to go like over the linebackers but before the safeties to the outside um like dropping those in the bucket or it's just tough for him at this point Mm -hmm. in his career and is that due to a lack of outside receiving threats The same way that the lack of maybe like just throwing the ball deep or a true home run threat in the offense last year um, hampered them throwing the ball deep. Like, I I just wonder how much of that is due to both of those things, which I guess technically you can correct that one of them, his throwing in the bucket can be corrected, I guess, with repetition. But you need additional players to correct the other one. I. I mean, this goes back to what Mario says every single time we talk to him. Like, it's not just Adrian. Like, their season last year, they didn't have the offensive line play that they needed. They didn't have the wide receivers that they needed. They didn't have the running back that they needed for extended periods of the season. They didn't have a defense to help them out consistently and for four quarters. Like, it's not just Adrian. It it is curious that as we move forward— you know, this team, at least offensively, starts to to round out and they start to get the weapons that they want. You know, you look across the board and now you've got Wando Robinson, who should be starting to come into his own. And you add Omar Manning, who if, if he's what they expect him to be or what they hope he is, then it's really good for them. And, and then you've got, you know, guys like Chris Hickman and, and Travis Vokalek and Diedrich Mills really kind of taking hold of positions on the offense. I mean, like, they could be pretty good. So it could be a situation where the quarterback doesn't have to make this big drastic improvement and they could still take a step forward as an offense. Um, it's, it, it is interesting to hear you talk about, like if you had the pieces around them, then maybe you go with the higher floor guy because you don't need him to be as great. And it seems like Nebraska's building towards that situation here. And yet they still picked, Adrian over Noah and maybe that's an oversimplification of what happened maybe it wasn't just like they picked one guy over the other but like this whole conversation is interesting in how it's how it's shaped out like I don't know I I, I don't know whether the the overall team is going to get better and that's what's going to take the the offense like that next step, or if it's going to be Adrian has to get better at making those outside the hashes throws. Yeah, but it's also, a, you know, it's funny, as we, even as we talk about it, there are just so many things that went wrong. Because we've also talked this much about the offense and not like 
mentioned perimeter blocking um, and the impact that that had on those extended handoffs. Because what I also wonder too, and I you'd have to I'd have to actually like go back and look at them. So yes, he had to be better at making those throws and completing those passes. How much of that is a, a hesitation or trying to overcompensate because maybe a guy completely missed a block and you think you need to throw it in a different spot? Um, there, there's just a lot that goes into that. Um, but Nebraska also, if they're going to, if they're they are going to continue to throw those passes. I know people hate the swing pass. Um, they just need to block it better. Like that play is all, almost always there when they run it. And you can see it if you go back and look. You just have to be better at executing it. Um, and so that's just another like it, like another wrinkle to how they could get better. But I completely agree with you that we could be in, end up in a situation where the offense is just better around the quarterback, and the off and Scott Frost is more comfortable calling plays with the personnel he has, and he's more comfortable with the personnel he has just in general. And then they get better, and but then of course what's going to happen is is oh my God, Adrian Martinez is better. Well, it could be a combination of he got a little bit better, but also the talent around him got a heck of a lot better too. Does Luke McCaffrey play wide receiver this season? Or does Noah Vedral leaving pretty much cement him as a quarterback moving forward? I think it cements Luke as a quarterback because I just think it's it's man, it, uh, now listen, I wouldn't want to take anything away from Luke and his ability to learn both positions and be able to play them both. He's a super sharp kid, um, and he's obviously got the athletic ability to do it. But when if he's your number two quarterback, I need him to get more reps as the quarterback because Adrian Martinez has not played a complete season since his sophomore year of high school. Maybe so like I like I did. So I need him to be able to be prepared in case if and when he needs to be ready to go. Um, and I think the best way to do that is to keep him at quarterback and let him maximize the reps that he's going to get. OK, hypothetical situation for you, then J.D. Spielman doesn't return to the team and you need somebody else at, at wide receiver because one of like Marcus Fleming or Xavier Betts, they're not they're not fully ready when the season begins. Um they feel good about Logan's mothers, right? This is the this is the guy that they've had the full allotment of time that they would like to have to recruit, to evaluate and recruit a quarterback. Um, that was Logan's mothers. They feel good about him as a guy moving forward. So hypothetically, JD doesn't return to the team. Could Logan be your backup guy? And you enter the season with the expectation that he's going to be the backup to Adrian until, or, you know, in, in, in break in case of emergency, if Adrian gets hurt, then Luke comes back and plays quarterback. But assuming health for the entire season for Adrian, Logan is your primary backup. And then you can still maintain a red shirt for him because Nebraska is not be, not going to be blowing anybody out. I don't think, um, and then you can have Luke McCaffrey at wide receiver. You could do that. It's it's kind of rolling the dice um, in a situation you probably don't want to put yourself in necessarily. Um, but also there's a caveat there that that like having to do that situation means that not nearly enough of the wide receivers you've brought in or are developing have stepped up, which presents a whole different problem, right? Um, because that would mean, you know, your Alante Browns and your Jamie Nance and Damarian Houston, um, all of those guys are kind of struggling to come along. Um, and so you don't necessarily want to be in that situation. I think the best overall situation is that 
that group of receivers and the tight ends, because maybe you're second, if the, even if the receivers don't progress the way you maybe want them to, you start to lean on that tight end group, which is a veteran group and a talented group, um, which I think you need to do anyway. Um, and maybe you can just lean on them and still keep Luke at quarterback. I think that there are two ways to prevent Luke McCaffrey from having to go to wide receiver. Either you get better wide receiver play first and foremost, or you lean on the tight ends. If you can't do either of those, then maybe you start to entertain that. The the other interesting thing in Connolly's piece was Nebraska's three and nine now in one score games under Frost. What, what do you attribute that to? You look at a lot of their one possession losses in the first two years and a lot of them can come down to, you know, their quarterback making a drive at the end of the game. Um, do you attribute it to quarterback play or do you attribute it to just the collective and not a single individual? I, I can 100% attribute that to a collective. I think that that is a, a mindset to finish games, to do one more thing, to make one more play. Like, I think that Nebraska for years now has has struggled to do that or to even, and it doesn't necessarily even mean at the end of the game. Like, we always think about, like, you know, Iowa driving down on Nebraska's defense and Nebraska's defense couldn't get off the field um, to stop that last second field goal. But there are times early in games where they have momentum and for for whatever reason, that's where that costly fumble happens, or that's where that interception happens, or that's where the busted coverage happens on defense for a long touchdown for the other team. If they can correct those earlier in the game to maybe take that more commanding lead to get the momentum going, they would be a heck of a lot better at, A, avoiding these one-score games, but then being able to give themselves more cushion um, to be able to help with that. So I think it's a collective thing. Greg, I watched Endgame last night. And as I was watching it, I saw you tweet a Thanos gif. I'm sitting <laughs> down and kind of exhaling. What was that about? Uh, that was it's a long play uh, in me being prepared with my yearbook story um, for this year. That's what it, I thought it was finished. <laughs> so yeah, that's what that was for. I thought it was you being like, "I am done with the yearbook story." <laughs> that is that is correct. Do you want to tease anything about that? I was going to ask you what you're working on. If you want to, you can. If you don't want to, it's fine. I will decline respectfully to do that at this time. <laughs> Buzzkill. Yep, sorry. Well, the 2020 yearbook is uh, taking shape. So make sure that you are subscribing to Hail Varsity, and that will be the, the first magazine that you get. It'll be a 200-pager. It's big. There's going to be a lot of good stuff in it, including uh, a story from Greg that I'm very, very excited to read. Greg, thank you for coming on the podcast and chatting quarterbacks for a while. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. We'll be back next week with another one. In the meantime, just keep reading HillVarsity.com. Subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a, a review or a star rating. Uh, and we'll be back next week. <laughs>